Thank you, Hunter and worship team, and thank you, church, for the great singing and worship time that we have. You know, that is an important part of our gathering here together, is that just, I hope you have times of worship at home, but to have it here together, there's something special about that. Guys, thank you for being a part of that today. Hey, it is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, that means we've got a few people on the road, we've got other people that are that are under the weather today too, but uh, glad that you guys all made it today. And since it is Memorial Day weekend, um, I, it's not going to be the focus of the message today, but I do want to encourage you all that, as Hunter mentioned, we have lots of freedoms here in this country. And most of us have lived in, through times when uh, we didn't have much worries, much concerns. We didn't have to um, worry about a lot of things because we have a lot of freedoms in this country. So I just want to encourage you tomorrow uh, and every day, really, but tomorrow, be thankful to God for the freedoms that we have and be thankful for those who purchased those freedoms for their lives. And I'm sure, uh, I don't know about nowadays, but I know back when I was growing up, almost every family had, had family members that they could point back to saying, these are people that, that gave, up their, gave up their lives for our freedoms. So let's keep that in mind this weekend as, uh, as we, as we uh, go through life. We have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, this is a time to remember a lot of it. Speaking of thanks, I want to thank Hunter for a good message last week. Thank you for that and for what you were able to do. I think that was really important. I, uh, I don't like not preaching, but when Hunter does a good job like that, or whoever's filling the pulpit does a good job like that, I, I feel a lot better about not preaching. And next week, I'm not preaching again, don't applaud, but Jeremy is going to be delivering our message next week. So I'm looking forward to hearing what God has been saying to Jeremy. It's going to be like... A, it's going to be like the Apostle Paul uh, saying goodbye to the Ephesian church, okay? So there's probably going to be a, great, uh, a good bit of weeping and, uh, on Jeremy's part, and then on ours too probably So uh, at that point. So you'll want to be here and be a part of that. You are still preaching next week, right, Jeremy? All right, good enough. I am looking forward to it very, very much. I think it's going to be great. Well, uh, we're going to look at today, we're, we're going to look at a passage that most of you probably know very, very well. It's uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. So let's go right into it. Before we have a word of prayer, let's go ahead and take a look at that. It should be on the screen here in just a second. There we go. So you guys know this. Here it is. This is out of the New American Standard because it's what I've memorized it out of. And if I try to do it out of any other translation, I'll mess it up because of how I've used it with this one so far. But this is Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Well, probably his last words. Um, there He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Man, talking about great last words. Jeremy, if you can do that, that great with your last words, oh man, it'll be, you'll knock us alive, okay? I'm telling you right there. So that is what Jesus said. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, it's been a good day so far. Thank you for that. And Father, we know that, uh, as Jesus said, you're, you're always working, and we should be working with you. And so, Father, thank you for the things you are doing in our church and in our people and through our church and through our people. And Father, we know that the things that we see are just a small portion of what you're actually doing. But Father, as we look into your word today, Father, we pray that you will help us focus on what we need to do together as a church to help fulfill the, the commandment you've given us here, Father. Thank you for this, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, to bring this home for you guys, I want to do it. I, this may be a little silly, but, but I've always enjoyed the, uh, the internet meme, you had one job. I don't know if you've seen those. So I've got a couple up here I want to kind of show you there. So you had one job. So this person was told, here's your job. Can you paint non-smoking in Arabic on the side of this truck? And that's what they painted right there. One job's all they had to do. This one, I love this. Who put up this? Enter only, do not enter. I actually saw a sign similar to that here at the Save Mart here in town one day. And took it, but this is a much better picture of that. How about this one? Open 24 hours, seven days a week. Closed between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. Friday through Sunday. All right, again, people don't, can't count, I guess. I don't know. And this, now, if you're not, have kids, that's not Captain America, all right? And if you don't know that, then you need to catch up with some kind of pop culture there. But there's, yeah, so one job to figure out who that was. I see, I think, do we have one or two more? I can't, I've lost track now. Uh, I think this is the last one. So, thirst place, okay? So I guess if you really need water after you finish the race, that's the one you get right there. So, oh, here we go. No, this is one of my favorite ones there. I don't know. We don't have a playground, but if we ever do that, it doesn't go on top of the building with the slide going right off the edge like that. So, all right, so Raquel, keep that in mind. This is not what to do in Kidsville, all right? Um, okay, so that, you know, so that one job thing. So the reason I want to bring that out to you is to bring home the fact that we as a church, we have one job, one job. Now there are a lot of things we do. We talk about, we worship here together. And that is something, that's part of our purpose, to give glory to God and to worship and connect to Him. But that's not the job He gave us. He gave us one job, and it's found back in that passage. Let's go back to that passage again. Now, as we look at this passage, it's kind of deceiving in English because there's a command hidden into that passage. There's a command, and as you read it in English, it looks like the commandment is what word? Looks like the word go is the commandment there. So I think, circle that for there we go. That looks like that's the commandment, but it's not. It's not the command. In, in English, some of you, now I know some of this can be tra traumatic for some of you that did not enjoy English, but in, in English, or in Greek too, that would be a participle. It'd be, if you wanted to just translate it literally, it would be going, make disciples. So that's not the key command. It's just the phrase going, make disciples. And it can be translated this way, as you go, make disciples. Or since you were going, make disciples or when you were going make disciples that's probably the most accurate literal translation of it the real commandment of there is this one it is the word make disciples that's actually an imperative command in greek just like in english we had to, we talk about you can ask like if i were to say um uh mona please shut the door that's an that's in the indicative mood okay but if i just say shut the door in english that's the imperative move that means I'm not really asking you to do it. I'm, I'm telling you, please go shut the door. So in Greek, it has the same way. They have an imperative thing that says it's a command. This is the one command that Jesus gave his disciples. Since you're going, as you go, when you go, make disciples of all the nations. And the other things are parts we do is making disciples, baptizing and, um, and teaching and observing and those kinds of things. So that's what we're going to look at today is what it means to do this command. Now, as you look at this, this you could say, this is our, our mission together. That Matthew 28, this make disciple, that's our mission. And since it's our mission together, that makes it our co-mission. See where that comes in? Which is from where we get the word commission. It's our co-mission together. 
In fact, this is often called in the Bible the what? The Great Commission, right? That's where it comes from. Our great co-mission together is to make disciples. That's what we do. That's what makes us a church. That's what makes us his followers, is going and making disciples. So we're going to look at what we do to make disciples. So I called this sermon, How Do We Make Disciples? And so we're going to look at four things that are important for us as individuals and as a church as we make disciples to fulfill our one job that he gave us. So, and by the way, I'm going to let you know that after this message, I may randomly at some point turn to you, like it could be next Sunday, it could be, it could be in a text message or something, I'm going to just say, what's our one job? And buddy, I want to hear make disciples when I do, okay? So that's to drive it home. That is our one job. We'll talk about what that means a little bit in this message too. So the first thing we have to do is we do go when we make disciples. That is a part of it. Now, again, that's not the main command, but it is going. God says, you're going to go. So as you go, make disciples. And so here's what he's sort of saying. is like, It's sort of like this. It's like um, going to be, um, so Jeremy, you're going to Michigan. When you go, make disciples. Okay? Anna, where are you going to go Tuesday morning? All right, you're going to go there. Say, since you're going, make disciples. Okay? Um, Ty, where are you going this afternoon? You don't have to tell us out loud. That's okay. It might be, it might be embarrassing, okay? All right? You're going to go play My Little Ponies with your niece or something. I don't know, but whatever it might be. But hey, as you go, make disciples. That's the idea. Okay? So, um, as, as you go to school, make disciples that whole idea wherever you go our job is to make disciples so we do go and I've got a couple examples here I mean we go to work that's the top sometimes we go on mission trips some of you have gone on mission trips with, with Gabe and Katie on the uh, on medical missions outreach so that's that's a great way of going I've been on mission trips before too sometimes we have dedicated times that we do that and I'm hoping in the future that we will have people that will be going on medical uh, uh, with them or with other organizations to, go, to do mission trips, to be involved in going in a, sp a specific way. I've had some great times leading teenagers on some of those trips myself. But as you're going, whether it's to the neighbors or to the store or to school or to work or to the doctor or to your family, make disciples. Has anybody ever thought about that when you go? Some of you are, are my age and older, all right? And so some of you have some doctor's visits planned in the next month. Okay, it seems like my doctor wants, I, I think he's got like a balloon payment on his boat. He'll call me up and go, you need to come in and take a look, you know, some things like that. But have you ever thought about when you go to the doctor, you should be looking at the opportunity to make disciples there? Yeah, that's a possibility. So wherever you're going, make disciples. By the way, I will say this in our church. We have a number of people in our church that are either the only Christian in their family or one of very few Christians in their families. And we ought to be lifting those people up that every time they're in contact with their family. Now, I'm not trying to lay a burden on them, but I'm saying, but that's an, that's an opportunity for them to do what we're talking about in making disciples. Now, that may sound like a heavy weight. We're going to talk about that's a little bit easier than it seems when we get a little bit further in the sermon, okay? So, now, um, this doesn't mean that we don't ever have the responsibility of going, like I said. Sometimes we do have to go on an intentional trip, but most of the time, it's just wherever you're going, make disciples, and if our main task is to make disciples, our first step is to go out into the community and make connections and look for opportunities to communicate spiritual truths to those around us. 
Every once in a while, I'll run into Christians who say, I don't know any non-Christians. And my response, now I'm kinder than this, but since I'm not talking about you, you guys are all cool, I'm sure, all right? But, uh, so I can be a little bit more bold right here, but when I run into a Christian that doesn't have any non-Christian acquaintances, things like that, then I'm saying, well, you know, then you're being disobedient to Jesus. What are you going to do about it? You need to go out and find some non-Christians to friends with. You know, um, I, I told, I've told you before, I've done some weird things at times to go meet non-Christians. When I was in seminary, I took a jazz dance class. It was not pretty, okay? I mean, I still wish we were at the time when people of our religious heritage said, you know, don't dance, all right? In fact, I will let you know, I, I can't dance. There's a, there's a court order that says I should not, so... Uh, so it's like illegal in most states for me to dance, but but I did I took a jazz dance class to try to meet non-christians I one time went to a I was a, when I was a single man I met a person that that went to, that was a part of parents without partners And I went to a couple of meetings with her to meet non-christians It was it was weird. It was not the place for me. It was a mistake going there, but I was but uh, I've done other things like that I've gotten out and um, uh, joined different clubs just to meet non-christians to have more opportunity. And especially when I was in seminary and I was around Christians all the time, you just need that opportunity to go do it. So do what you need to do to go find non-Christians. In fact, here's what I want you to do. We had a handout today. If you've got that, there's some space on it. There's some space in the back too. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down right now, just write down the names of any non-Christians that you know. People that you're, I mean, you don't, we don't always know for sure. There's always possibility they are a Christian. We don't know it. But I want to encourage you right now, Write down the names of some people you know who are not, that you think are not believers. And you can start praying for them. You can start looking for opportunities to engage them in spiritual conversations. Now, again, don't panic. I'm not saying that you've got to, that, that this week you've got to go to everybody you put on that list and, you know, and grab them by the collar and say, believe Jesus now or burn in hell. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about doing your part in making disciples with them. So I want to encourage you. And listen, I'm serious. I want you to write those down if you, if you can think of them right now. Write down the names of people you can be praying for and looking for opportunities with that. In fact, here's the question I ask on the next slide here is, who is your one? You know, that we've, we've had that sometimes. Just think, right, and if you can come up with one person that you can be involved in their disciple-making process, their spiritual formation, I want you to do that. Maybe it's more than one for you. I have a friend who, who used to have what he called God's top 10 most wanted list in his life. And he always had a list of five people that he knew he could have a spiritual conversation with and share with them about Jesus. And some of them he had to do over and over again, or he was looking for the right opportunity for it. But he said on that list five other people that he believed were not open to hearing about Jesus right now, but he could be praying for and praying they would come to that time. So he called it his five and five list or his top 10 most wanted list kind of thing. But be thinking about that, people that you can witness to, people that you can pray for. And seriously, it makes a lot more difference than that. Most of them, if they were to watch our, 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 our messages on YouTube, they wouldn't mean, I don't mean anything to them. They, you know, I'm just another preacher up there, okay? But to have you sharing with them and you talking with them and being kind and being, being, uh, and, and being polite with it, but also being truthful with them and being compassionate actually will make a bigger difference than anything else. Because they don't know whether what I'm talking about is real, but if they see it in your life, they will know. And if you don't know who your one is, then I want you to think about where your one might be. Where is your one? 
And I want you to just think through all the different things, the places you go through in life. Where you go, whether it's to work, to save, to, to, to save Mart, or Vons, or Whole Foods, or if you're rich, or, um, or to, uh, to Winco if you're not, uh, or wherever it might be, um, that you go and you do your shopping, where you, where you go get gas, that kind of thing. Can you be looking for opportunities to make, help make disciples at that point? That's the thing that makes the most difference here. It's not, you know, we can have a, a seeker-friendly service, and as many guests as we have in our church, I think we should. I think our, 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 our services should be the kind of service where, where people are comfortable, even if they don't know Corinthians from Chronicles, you know, that they still should, should be, feel welcome here and not feel totally lost mentally. They eventually need to feel lost spiritually, I'll admit that, but they don't need to feel lost mentally or emotionally when they come. But this is not, we're not the kind of church where we're going to draw in people that are, that, that are saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for God's will in my life, this is where I went. Well, maybe some, but not usually. But where it's going to make a difference is you sharing your faith with people and bringing the point that they realize that they need Jesus. And at some point in that, before or after realizing they need Jesus, they'll realize they need a Christian community to be a part of it. Now, again, this is not about our church growing but if we're making disciples, our church will grow at that point. So we do have to go out. We can't just wait for them to come here. All right? we, have to, we have to go out towards them. The second thing that we do is that we baptize. It's in this passage. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to commend this church. We've had several baptisms in the short time that I've been here. And that has been great. Hunter, I thank you for doing that too. Um, we just got a heater for the, for the baptistry, so before it was, Hunter was forced to do it. Now he gets to do it, okay? Uh, because, you know, that's, that's, but no, I appreciate it, man. I really do. You do a good job with that. But this church has done a good job with that. But baptism is a big part of that. But here's one of the things that, that is sometimes for evangelical churches that we get lost into that. We think that baptism is like the goal. That is it. That the more people we baptize, the more notches we get in our Bible, that kind of thing. But our goal is not baptizing people. Our goal is making disciples, and baptism is just a part of that. Now, I'm going to share with you something that's, that's a, a little bit of a, a, a technical kind of thing. But I, but, and, and some of you that are like really logical learners, and you really like, you like you know, taxonomies and, and charts and that kind of thing. If you're a chart-type person, you're going to love this. If you're not, take a quick nap, and you'll join us back in just a moment. But in 1975, a, a seminary professor published a, named James Engel published a book called What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest? All right, so his book, What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest? And in it, he published, he introduced what's, what's called the Engels scale. All right, the Engels scale. So there we go. So there's, there's the original thing of the book there. I've got that copy in my library myself. But he talked about the Engels scale. And so it may be a little bit hard to read here, but when you take a look at it, it's called the Ingalls Evangelism Scale. And on this little arrow, can you guys see that arrow? I've got the lights in my, does that arrow show up for you guys? Can you guys see it? So he talked about this, and he says, first, there are people that have absolutely no knowledge of God whatsoever. He called them at a negative eight on the Ingalls Scale. And he said, people from there move to a basic awareness of God. Then they move to a basic awareness of the gospel. Then to where they grasp the implications of the gospel. Next to where they have a positive attitude toward the gospel. Then they begin to recognize that their sin is a personal problem. And negative two, they have a decision to act. 
And at negative one on the Engel scale is when they come to repentance and faith in Christ. Now let's pause right there for just a moment and say all of us know people at those different spots right there. We do. There may be people that you know that just don't have any clue about God whatsoever. Okay? I hear people all the time. In fact, you hear it in the, in, in the TVs and movies now. They talk about, well, the universe didn't want me to have that. And I thought, how stupid are you to say the universe? So because you don't want to say God, you think the universe has sentience? The universe has a, a thing? But you don't even know what you're saying there. That's just, that is such a throwaway phrase to me that says, basically, I am spiritually ignorant and I'm happy with being that. So I'm going to throw that out there. Okay, but those are the people that have absolutely no no knowledge of God or there might be some people You know some people out there that get an idea. There is a God and He has something to do with this world, but maybe maybe not I don't get it and So maybe your job with those people is bring them to that point where they just have a basic awareness of the gospel You know, I bet there are literally tens upon tens of thousands of people right here in Fresno that do not understand the gospel. People that know of this guy Jesus, but don't understand that he wasn't here just to show us how to live a good life. He wasn't here just to be an example. He wasn't here just to say God loves you, but he was here to pay the price for our sins. That, that, that sin issue is a real problem, and maybe you just help them have a basic awareness of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. They're not ready to accept it yet, or maybe you're the person that helps them move to understanding that, wait a minute, that idea of the gospel, that really does have some meaning. That's something I ought to look into. Or maybe you're the one that helps them understand that, okay, I kind of get it. I, I like the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm not ready to do anything about it, but I like the idea. I'm, 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 I'm warming up to that. It's okay. So what I'm saying is that each of these points, you may not be the person that actually leads them to say the sinner's prayer and to commit their life to Jesus right there. I've been in situations where people have moved from maybe negative five up to negative one like that. I remember one case in particular where that happened. I won't share it with you now, but it was, a, it was an amazing story where this man, I mean, jumped, jumped several steps at one point, and it happens. But not often. Usually it's a slower process for people. And God works with people different ways. He's made people differently, okay? He really has. So, you know, I can look at this and go like, Tracy, he's formed you differently than he has Roman over here. You guys are different people. And so, but, and so God works with his people in different ways, and he knows. Even those people who don't know Jesus, they were created by, by God. They know, I mean, he knows, God knows who they are, and he'll work with them in the way. So I'm just saying, Remember, in all that place, that's part of making disciples. That everybody you know that's at any point in that line, you're just always looking for, how can I move them up that next level? And yeah, we want to get them to repentance. We want to get them baptized. Because for us, that, that sort of marks whether they spend eternity, where they spend eternity. But you may not get that privilege. You just may be moving them up a little bit. And I want to encourage you, in all of your relationships to think about that and and to think about we you can do it now if you want to or maybe later look at those people those lists you've said that aren't believers and kind of think where might they be on this on this scale and where might it now this scale is not scripture it's not written in stone this is one man's opinion on it but i think it communicates really well 
where it goes. Now it goes a little bit further than that too. Okay, let's go up. There's another phase after that. That's people having a post-decision and evaluation. They're starting to think this through. And then they get involved in a church body. Now remember, this was written in 1985. There's actually a new kind of process. Some churches have said basically um, that you believe, then you belong. There are some churches that say, you know what? You can belong, not being a member of the church, but really being a part of the church before you believe. And that happens sometimes to people now. We need to be the kind of church that will have people sitting in this room right now that haven't yet accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. They come here and they observe worship with us. They try to worship with us. But we need to be comfortable with them being involved in our small groups or in our worship services or whatever. For them considering Fresno Church as their church even though they don't yet know Jesus. Now, we're not going to be satisfied with just stopping there. But I'm saying we have to recognize that it doesn't always follow that, that kind of rule nowadays. In fact, guys, I'll even tell you, I've run into a couple of friends in ministry that told me they were in their first ministry position, like as a youth minister or as a worship minister, when they realized they had never made a true profession of faith. So it can happen sometimes, all right? Not usually. This is more typically the way it happens. Let's keep going on there. So incorporation into a church, then the cognitive and behavioral growth, that means they start thinking and acting like a believer. They become more and more like Jesus. Then communion with God, that's when that real worship in their personal life starts. And then stewardship of both their life and their money. We think of stewardship mainly being money, but God has given us our life to steward also. And then eventually get to reproduction. And ladies and gentlemen, reproduction as a believer, that's where I want you all to be. That's the people that are saying, okay, now I'm ready to go start talking to other people about being a believer. I'm ready to help other people start becoming, growing up in their, in, in their walk with Jesus. That's where we all want to be. That's when we're truly becoming like Jesus and sharing with people. So I just encourage you to remember this as you go through this stage. But now as we get to this top part, that takes us to our next phase of what we do when we, as, as we make disciples, we teach. We do teach. Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, in this, I just want to say that, that if you've become a believer in Jesus, that's not the end game even of being a disciple. It's becoming more like Jesus all the time. And so now I'm not talking about the people out there who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about us as believers. Then we need to start thinking, what is our next step in our spiritual growth as we become better disciples? And I want to talk with you really serious about that. Um, there's some of you in this room probably. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular right now, I promise. But I just know in any room this size or, or watching online even that have become a believer but have never been baptized. And we want to encourage you to do that, okay? And if, and if you're not comfortable getting baptized here in this thing, we'll baptize you in swimming pool. Water. We'll set it up. We'll do it properly. We'll make it, a, but it's, it will be a celebration of your decision and a celebration of your obedience to Jesus by going through what we call believer's immersion, being immersed under the water after you're a believer in recognition of Jesus dying and coming back to life for you and your old life dying and a new life in Jesus rising up. There's some of you <clears throat> that have not committed to membership. Now, churches don't play that up as much as they used to, but really, being a part of a church and, and saying, I want to sign on the dotted line. I want to be considered a member of this church. And there are rights and responsibilities uh, involved with that. Um, 
In fact, I had three R's and I can't remember what they were now. I know there's, there's rights, responsibilities, and requirements. There we go. Yeah, I knew there was three R's. It's the preacher in me, okay? There's got to be three things that start with the same letter. But um, so I want to encourage you guys to be thinking about that. What's my next step in my teaching and my growing? We, we're, we're doing a better job of starting some small groups. Jake just started a small group this week, and uh, it's mainly for men. If you'd like to be a part of uh, the small group that Jake, Jake has started, they're, they're meeting for another five weeks. Is that right? So it's just a short-term kind of thing. But if you'd like to be a part of that, meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 or 7. 7 o'clock. Okay, we got it now. 7 o'clock. And so, um, so to talk to Jake or talk to me or to Hunter afterwards, and we'll get you set up in that. Um, but we'll be starting more small groups. And we need to teach together and get our teaching put together and, and to continue to grow as, as Christians. In fact, you know, the gospel mentions Jesus teaching 35 times. That's how many times it's mentioned in the New Testament. And uh, in fact, just to give you two quick examples. In Matthew 4, 23, it says Jesus was going throughout all Galilee teaching. In Matthew 7, 28, it says his crowds were amazed, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And so teaching is a part of what we want to do. In fact, you may discover that you may see me or, or Red or somebody sometimes sitting at the back. I left my phone over there, but sitting in the back of the first part of the service on our phones doing something like, what are they doing? Are they, are they playing Candy Crush during the middle of, I've never played Candy Crush, so that's why I used it. I've never, ever played it in my life. But, but are they playing something back there? And so, no, we're taking attendance. And we're saying, why are you doing that? Because we want to know how, how, people, how many often people are coming. Not because we want to criticize people, not because we want to... Um, we want to uh, condemn them or, or, or judge them at all, but we want to find ways that we can encourage. So if somebody's missing worship, you might get a text from me or, or, uh, or from Hunter or from one of us going, hey, we've just missed you. Why don't you know that you've been missed? Because we want to be, this is a part of our teaching ministry as well. And so that's why we do things like that. That's why we ask you to take attendance in the small groups and stuff. Not because we're trying to get notches in our Bible, but because we're trying to set a stage that encourages people to be involved in a ministry where they're getting teaching more than just what they're getting on their own or more than what they're getting just from, from my word. So maybe your next step in our um, church is to say, I want to be involved in a small group. And I will tell you this, if, if we don't have a small group now, and we need to start more, if we don't have a small group now that meets your needs, I will do my best to start one that will help you move forward in where you are. And we're going to be at some point, before we call a new pastor, we'll have a class, one of our membership classes, to talk about those rights and responsibilities and requirements of membership so that you can be part. Not you can say that it's us and them kind of thing, but because you're making a commitment to a church to be helping you become a better disciple and helping you help other people become better disciples. All right. So now that all may seem overwhelming. Okay. I just want you to know. Nothing in this said that you've got to go out and lead somebody to the Lord this week. We're just helping them move on. Nobody, no one is saying that this week you've got to, to change everything in your lifestyle that people, that destiny, when you go to school, people look at that and go like, well, you look more like Jesus today, you know? No, we don't expect that. But we expect you inside to become a little more like Jesus regularly, to figure out what can I do in my spiritual formation, in my discipleship, to be more like Jesus and to fill that process, that commandment that Jesus gave us to make disciples of other people and to help ourselves to be better disciples. Now, it gets a lot easier when we get to our last point, okay? We talked about we go, we, te we baptize, we teach. At the end of that thing, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the age. We rely on Jesus. That is the big thing. 
that Jesus goes with us in all of this. There are so many verses in the Bible that talk about God being with us at all times and all of it. And it gets overlooked a lot of time in the Great Commission. The Great Commission seems to be like a great burden. It's almost like, Jesus, I'm ascending back to heaven. Let me lay, lay this great weight on you that it all depends on you for the salvation of the world. It's not that at all. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do, and I'm going to help you do it. This is what you're supposed to be doing here. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, will be with us every step of our way. And we don't have to do it on our own. In fact, we should not do it on our own. I can tell you, the times I do it on my own, that's the times I fall flat. When God goes, yep, you got to head up me there. You can't do that, boy. You got to walk with me on this. I am going with you, but I'm not running to catch up to you. You're going to take it at my pace. A couple of verses I think about this that encourage it. 1 Peter 4.11 says this. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. And then Acts 14.3 says they spent a long time, that was in Iconium, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. That was on that first missionary journey that we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. We rely on Jesus through this. And here's what this means for us. As we look at our plan moving forward as a church of how we are going to make disciples, how God designed us as a church to make disciples, it can't be Pastor Darrell's plan. It can't be Hunter's plan. It can't be Jeremy's plan. He's taken off. Well, I'm going to take off too eventually, I guess, so I can't really criticize you for that too much. It can't even be just your new pastor's plan. It's not that we can come in there and say, here, you figure out how we do this. It's something we do together. It's something the Lord brings through us. It's got to be we all together determine God's plan for us here at Fresno Church. And relying on Jesus is the reason why prayer is so important in the revitalization of our church. We need to be praying for that regularly. Praying for the people you know who are lost. Praying for the people who need to grow as believers praying for our church and our direction about how we're going to make this. And we're going to do it differently than other churches. We're not going to be people's church. We don't want to be people's church. I want people's church to be the best people's church it can be. Jesus doesn't need another people's church over here on this side of town. We're not going to be North Point. We're not going to be Adventure Church. We're not going to be Pathways. We're not going to be any. We're going to be Fresno Church, the way God designed us to be. And you hear me use this example a lot. It's like different kind of, you know, where you buy your groceries. I've used that as an example. Okay? I'm usually, when I can, I'm a Vons person. That's where I just feel most comfortable. That's the kind of, it's laid out like I like it. I like how their awards thing work. I can deal with Save Mart. You know? I go, I go to Winco or Food for Less. I feel a little bit lost. You know, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm one of the, well, I won't get into it. But we all have different levels of comfort. Just like where you buy clothes. Some people are Target people. Some are, I think everything I have on right now came from Kohl's. Um, you know, but there's somebody who wouldn't dare set foot in Coles, that they're going to get all their stuff from, from Patrick James or from Nordstrom's or from Eddie Bauer or from, or, uh, or from the Army Navy Surplus Store. You know, it's, we all have different kind of things, and so God has different kind of churches with that. And we're going to figure out what kind of church we are as Fresno Church. So today I've asked you to think about people that you can witness to, that you can help make disciples. I've asked you to think about places that you, that you can go, where you can find those people. I've also asked you to think about your own discipleship and your next step. 
and I hope every one of you here in this room can figure, have, have a, cl a clue right now, is what your next step needs to be in your spiritual development. Okay? We don't get to hit the, there is not, there's not a point where any of us arrive here on this, on this life. Okay? That's for our next life. That's for eternity with Jesus. But for all of us, what's our next step? Where is God working to form you spiritually, to be conformed to the image of his son? So some of you, it might be taking that first step of sharing with a coworker or a neighbor that you're a believer. Doesn't mean right now you gotta give them all the gospel, you gotta give them the whole nine yards, the whole meta-narrative of the Bible, but it might just be opening the door for a spiritual conversation. So I want you to think about that. I want you to be praying for divine appointments with people on your list. Pray for God's spirit to anoint the places that you'll be going long before you visit them. Wherever it is you're going to go to work on Monday, on Tuesday this week, I guess, pray for God's anointing on that place that you will be able to do, some, do a part of making disciples there. Pray that God will make those places holy places where people can draw closer to Jesus no matter how far away they are right now. We're trying to move them closer to Jesus. So here's some very specific things I'd like you to think about in response to this message. First, I want to very much encourage you to find and connect to your one. Now, maybe it's more than one for you, but find and connect to your one or your two or whatever it is. And, and be praying for them specifically, not as a project, but as a person for whom Jesus gave his life and a person God has brought, you, has brought into your realm of influence, your sphere of influence. Second, pray for people that you know aren't ready to listen. We have that. So there are people that may not be ready to listen. Continue to be praying for them, even though you can't communicate with them now. Get connected with other people in the church, too. Uh, I left an ED off of there, sorry. Get connected with other people in the church. Whether it's a small group, whether it's fellowship, whether it's connection, whether it's accountability, whatever it might be. Get connected. And then really spend time determining your next step in your spiritual growth, whatever it might be. That for each of us, there's a, there's a next step. There is for me, there is for you, there is for all of us. And then finally, in everything that you do, rely on Jesus for guidance and for direction. Because he's there walking with you. He said, lo, which basically is look. If we're putting it back today, as Jesus says, I said, Mona, go out and make disciples. And look, I'm going to be with you in this. I'm going to be with you all the way. We can do it together, okay? That's what he's saying. So let's talk to Jesus for a moment right now as we prepare to close. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for trusting us with this mission, Lord. Father, while the salvation of the world doesn't depend on us, you still are using us. Father, we know you could do it so much better than just with us. You could, you could write it on, across the skies. You could pull back the curtain of heaven and show yourself to people. Father, you could do so many things that you could reveal yourself, but you've chosen us. And Father, I pray right now that Fresno Church, together as a group, but also, Father, individuals, each one of us, that we would take serious that responsibility, that privilege, that mission that you've given us to make disciples, to be involved in the formation of people spiritually, Father. And I pray that this
place here can be a place where we rejoice together as we see the fruits of lives being changed and people coming into your kingdom. Father, I pray that we will see more baptisms. I pray that we will see more people going out. And Father, I pray that we will see more of your handiwork as we rely on Jesus to get us through this.